comments today. I have comments for the first time, one of the first times for this ninth Queen album, I actually have commentary from one of the men themselves. From the man himself. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I'm so excited to be back. This is Charlie Tate. I am talking Queen's ninth album. Yes. Their one and only official soundtrack album, Flash Gordon. And I'm coming to the end. I'm nearly at the end. And today, we're going to talk about two songs. And Brian is in collaboration in both of them. At least in some way or another, he's in collaboration. Yes, this is Brian May Contributions, as well as Richard Wagner and Roger Taylor, <laughs> respectively. But before we dive right in, I just want to say that these two tracks have a lot of intensity, a lot of classical elements, of course, and we're going to talk about why, but there's tension and anticipation happening here because we're coming to a massive crescendo of sorts. This is the windup, if you will. So in some ways, these two tracks feel, especially from one to the next, quite disjointed. And the second track we're going to talk about today is very disjointed, but it has to be because there's a lot going on and a lot coming very quickly. So let's dive right in to tracks 14 and 15 on Flash Gordon and dives 104 and 105. We're going to start with the wedding march based on bridal chorus, of course. Richard Wagner arranged by Brian May. This is the classic bridal chorus. We all know it. Dun, 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 dun. And we've all heard it. We've all heard so many different variations of this thing. It's been around for a long time. We're going to talk about the history of the bridal chorus a little bit as we talk about this number, because this is essentially a Brian take on that composition from Richard Wagner. This is classical rock. Of course, it's classical. The arrangement is all Wagner, and it's rock because of Brian's infusion of style and lyrical playing. It's amazing. 73 beats per minute. We are in the time signature of 2-4 and the key of G major, but we have a little bit of a shift that happens momentarily to take us into a minor key. And this is a marriage, so... Yeah, the wedding march. <laughs> this is the marriage. Well, okay, we'll talk about the next track in a minute. But this is playing because in the story of Flash Gordon, obviously we've seen Ming latch on to Flash's Dale, right? We've seen Ming try to take Dale for his own. So as we hear this, this is that moment taking place. We all know this, but oh, how it shines as Brian plays it on his guitar. Brian's arrangement of this Wagner classic is lush, layers of sound, it's rich, it's melodic. Full chords take us through the traditional wedding march, complete with cymbal crashes and a gentle, persistent bass drum from Roger. But this takes a deeper, darker turn toward the end. Surprising us with a twist of minor chords, a nod to the nasty, horrible, icy, cold-hearted Ming, 
who attempts to take Dale for his own. This was never played live at a Queen performance. Wouldn't that have been interesting if it had been? <laughs> what, a, what a weird thing, honestly. If you were at a Queen live performance in the early 80s and Brian decided to bust this out as they shifted from one song to the next, would have been interesting. I wonder if anybody would have got up on stage and tried to march across it. Oh, good times. That never happened. I have fun facts about both of these numbers today in addition to the band Critique from Brian. So this is very exciting. This feels like an anomaly for Flash Gordon tracks because I don't often find so much information. But here we go. Brian created the string-like sounds of... This arrangement, that richness, by employing the Vox AC30 and an amplifier, courtesy of our bassist, John. And of course, Brian has done this on other Queen tracks as well. Hello, Procession, all the way back in 74, their second album. Another fun fact, composer Richard Wagner wrote this bridal theme, this bridal chorus, as a piece of his opera. Lohegrin from 1850. Yes, it's old, isn't it? And Wagner, just in case you missed it, he also wrote Flight of the Valkyries. You know it. Dun 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 dun. What a fantastic composition. What a wonderful composer, Wagner. I'm trying to remember if I've played Flight of the Valkyries on my violin. Maybe. It's been a long time. I played a lot of songs back in the day. And I'm going to start again, by the way. I'm going to get my violin all fixed up. But back to the Queen Deep Dives today. Yes, critique in an interview with BBC Radio 1 in 83. Alexis Corner inquired about this number, saying it was, quote, redolent of the Hendrix treatment of Star Spangled Banner, unquote. And Brian responded, Quote, those things go back a long way with us because, you know, we did God Save the Queen, and we did the beginning part for Tie Your Mother Down, and we did Procession. I had heard Hendrix's thing, but his approach is very different. The way he did those things was to put down a line and then sort of improvise another line. My stuff is totally arranged. I'll make sure that the whole thing is planned and treated like you would give a score to an orchestra to do. It's sort of indulgence, really, but at the same time, I thought it would be funny for that wedding march to come out that way, unquote. And I think I paraphrased that quite a bit because there was more in there. He's talking about the silliness, the humor of that scene and the twist he gives the arrangement. But also, I found more. In 1982, with On the Record, Brian talked about the orchestral sound he created. Quote, I've actually used, never mind, <laughs> let me start that again. I've usually used a Vox AC30 as well as a small amplifier, which was made by John Deacon. This has a little hi-fi speaker cabinet, which is about a foot by six inches, and John put a little transistor amplifier inside it. I use it with a treble booster, which overloads it. It just makes a good noise. I don't know why. I've gotten that tone out of all kinds of little practice amps as well. Just crank them up, drive them nuts, unquote. And you know what? I just realized my little fun fact about how Brian made this sound. Yeah, I misread that. 
<laughs> so it wasn't the Vox AC30. That was what he said he usually used. Here, it sounds like, yes, he used a hi-fi speaker cabinet with a little transistor amplifier inside it. So it was still a Brian John collaboration of noise sound generation, if you will. So cool. This is why I love getting feedback from the guys in some way, whether it's in a video interview or it's critique that they talk about later or it's in interviews that are really old like these. Absolutely love this stuff. As for the detailed breakdown of this number, the song we all know better than many others, it's given new life with Brian's guitars surrounding us from the lowest frequencies to the treble. So lyrical, singable. As always, the way he makes his guitar sound like a voice, it's mesmerizing. And after the first phrase, a dramatic cymbal crash and a swell takes us into a fanfare of sorts. It's brief, but it is a fanfare. And another octave of leading wedding march melody takes us down the aisle. Roger's bass drum appears, marking time, but into the last phrase. The depths appear. The darkness overwhelms us as we slip into that minor key, that nod to Ming. Brian's bright and assertive guitar somehow becomes muted, distant, dampened, dreary, especially on headphones. I don't really get that when I'm just listening on speakers, but if you listen to this on a good set of headphones, you're going to hear how those guitars sound distanced. It's a cool effect, but to resolve this classic, the major brightness bursts forth once again, rising into that major key as though it overcomes the evil, or we can expect something else to transpire. And well, that something else is our next track. As it burst in, guns blazing, weapons blazing, we're coming off the tail end of the battle themes that we've heard. We're going to hear a lot of themes in this next number, actually, and it's brief two-minute playtime. But in the film, we go back to that moment. So that's why all of a sudden, out of nowhere, after the bridal chorus arrangement from Brian, we hear this burst in. The marriage, well, actually, it's not the, it's just. <laughs> the song title is Marriage of Dale and Ming and Flash Approaching. It's kind of a clunky title, actually, but it does summarize the moment in the film just as it should. This is dive number 105. And this is Brian and Roger's number. So both Brian and Roger took part in the writing of this song and, of course, probably the playing of it as well. We're at 116 beats per minute in the time signature of 4-4 four, four, and the key of A. And what are we, what's happening here? Well, not so fast. Not so fast. There's a lot happening. We're going to cover a lot. Back into Flash's theme we dive. And Volton's theme before classically inspired rising chords crescendo dialogue as the dreamy arrangement lingers in the background. But the dream of Ming doesn't last. Of course it can't last. As our heroine denies him and Flash's theme appears once again. We get to hear harmonized vocals from the boys again. But this is mainly a medley of previously heard themes, and it feels broken and inconsistent at times. It's still enticing and intriguing, but it definitely doesn't flow. But it's meant to jerk you and take you out of those moments with a lot of intensity. 
because this whole second half of this album is very intense. We've had many brief, reflective moments on the first side, I feel. There's been a little bit more subdued atmospheres and reflection and sadness, right? We thought Flash Gordon died, but that didn't actually happen. We have all these battles happening. We have tension and friction and and characters rising and falling. And a lot of that is covered in this dive. Right now, it was never played live, but of course, elements of it were played live because we have Flash's theme, right? Fun fact about this song, though, Brian plays a church organ during those descending third chords, the slow ballad-like portion. And that's surprising considering I thought maybe Raj contributed those chords. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment here. I have more Brian quotes, critique. With Circus Magazine in 1980, Brian talked about the many themes that converge in later film tracks, like this one. Quote, in the last 15 minutes of the film, in the battle sequence where Volton's men and Flash battle Ming's army, all the themes converge. Unquote. This is where it happens, folks. And there's praise. Oh my goodness. I found a comment from Circus Magazine highlighted this moment on Flash Gordon, writing it, quote, spotlights one group-written musical collage of the kind Queen fans have all been waiting for, unquote. So, hey, props to the guys. You got a little praise there. But pay attention because we're recapping all of these themes and diving into complex arrangements. It's like a mini symphony or a medley, yes, where... Twisting and turning happens all over the place multiple times, but we open intensely with a crash, guitar, power chords, lasers, literal crashes, bass, pulsing piano. Hello, Flash's theme. That transition of chords on the guitar, it's so simple, but it's so rock and roll. I love it. We get lots of dialogue. You'll be destroyed, but Flash won't stop. He'll save every one of us, and Volton's theme makes an appearance. That synthesizer fanfare layered over those pulses. Da, 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 da. It's so heroic, isn't it? But wait. Just as we get into that groove, all drops out. It's an odd and abrupt transition, but it's definitely impactful. A swelling, classically inspired orchestral arrangement appears. It rises. It's funny, to me, it sounds like it's rising, but these descending third chords, not unlike what we'll hear much later in the rousing, who wants to live forever. I do love that song. We'll talk about that in depth much later. This reminds me a bit of the love theme, actually, this moment. And it's why I wondered if Raj didn't bring this in, but apparently Brian played this on the organ. I don't know if Roger wrote it, but Brian played it. It's very cinematic and sparkly. That resolve, that brightness, it's lovely. Do you, Ming the Merciless, take this earthling to be your empress of the hour? (laughs) It's so terrible. It's so awful. But that's the point. The orchestral theme returns with more layers of synthesizers, choral vocals. But again, another interruption, this time after Dale declares she will not take Ming. 
splash. Ah, and I think I hear even higher harmony vocals in that delivery, if that's possible. And the piano is harsher, it's louder. Power chords, intensifying vocals. He's a miracle. The guitars roll in, but full stop. Recite after me, your majesty, with this ring, I thee wed. The orchestral theme, but then flash. See what I'm saying? There's this push and pull of back and forth. We cannot settle into this because so much tension, more rock and roll. But the pulses fade as we await the next moment with anticipation. This literally fades out, which feels quite anticlimactic. But in a way, this is quite genius. It's very genius, actually. No, this is not a flow of any kind. Not at all a conventional number. In fact, it is a stark contrast against the previous wedding march of a song we heard. Because that is a complete piece. That is a complete, succinct piece. But here, we are broken down into so many themes, we don't know which way to go. It's this unsettling feeling before the next number arrives that is so big and takes us into the final three tracks of this album. Album? (laughs) Album. I've decided I'm going to cover the next two together and the last one alone. And I have several reasons for that. But I will get into that in great detail next time, you guys. This was really exciting. I'm glad I had comments from Brian. I had write-up from some publications, and I had some facts. It's always cool when artists, when bands take a classic composition like The Wedding March, and they do something with it that's surprising or interesting. And Brian, of course, makes everything lyrical and expressive and energized. That's why I love his writing so much. And I'd really love to know with the second track today, how much contribution came from Roger? How much came from Brian? Yes, we have a lot of themes converging here, as Brian said. So right there, there are lots of elements coming together from multiple guys in the band. But I wonder, is this credited to Roger and Brian simply because of the convergence of those themes? Or did they actually sit down? Did they both sit down and say, okay, we're going to add new elements to this piece together? What happened there? Am I overthinking this? I just love to know the details. And of course, if I knew that, I would relay it to you guys, because that's what I do. But that is all for today. (gasps) Queen Deep Dives 2. Queen Deep Dives today to get you through the next few days before I drop another episode. Coming to the end, I am going to do a Queen Deep diversion, He Stole My Attention, for this album as well. And you know the funny thing? I cannot say album today, (laughs) clearly. The funny thing about this is I don't have a man picked yet. I don't. I I don't have someone picked for who stole my attention the the most. And I usually know before I get to the end. Actually, I have a little idea. I have an idea. We'll get there. Anyway, keep yourselves alive. I'll be back next time. You guys know the drill. Have a good everything. I'm just going to start saying that. Have a great, fantastic, ecstatic everything. A bright everything. Eat well. Cheers to you. Toast with a drink you love.
caffeine, alcohol in moderation. I don't care. Pick it up, love it, enjoy it. Stay cool, stay relaxed. Wear what you love, do what you love. Spritz a fantastic fragrance. Fragrance has power. I want to talk about that more again. It's one of my guilty pleasures. All right, guys, before I ramble on too much more, have a great rest of your day.